You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Course Report podcast. On today's episode, we are talking about a New York City initiative that is allowing certain lucky students to go to coding boot camps for free. May sound too good to be true, but uh, it's called the New York City Tech Talent Pipeline, and it aims to increase the number of employees with software skills in the city. Maybe you have never heard of this. Maybe you don't know what Tech Talent Pipeline is. Um, Maybe you've heard of it, but you have questions. If any of those are true, keep listening. We are going to chat about why this initiative exists, um, what you'll learn in the program, and how you can take advantage of it. And to answer all of those questions, I've asked two people to join me on today's podcast. First is Erica Samuels, who graduated from the Web Development Fellowship at Full Stack Academy, which is one of those Tech Talent Pipeline programs. Hi. Hi, Erica. And we also have Nimit Maru, who is the founder of Full Stack Academy, which is a coding boot camp in New York City that was chosen by Tech Talent Pipeline to offer that web development fellowship. Hey, Nimit. Hey, how are you all? Great. Thank you both for joining us. And um, just an FYI for anyone listening, we will, of course, publish a full transcript of this podcast on our blog. And if you subscribe to the Course Report newsletter, then you will know the second that we publish it. Okay, so let's dive in. Nemet, my first question is for you, because I feel like, you know, this this program has been around for a couple of years now, and we've heard these buzzwords, web development fellowship, um, tech talent pipeline. Uh, sometimes we just hear it as, you know, go to Full Stack Academy for free. Um, but mm-hmm. could you quickly tell us what the web development fellowship is? Sure. Um so the, the Web Development Fellowship is a exciting collaboration uh, by Full Stack Academy and, like you said, New York City's Tech Talent Pipeline. It's designed for New Yorkers who are early in their careers and meet certain requirements um, you know, that we'll get to later uh, to do our entire uh, Full Stack Web Development Immersive at no tuition cost to them and you know, with a goal of, of uh, filling the, I guess, the, the tons of open web development jobs that are in New York. Um, and then on, on the other hand, also helping um, to grow the economy of the local area. And, and, and it turns out that, you know, especially in New York City, there is an incredibly large pool and like an untapped pool of the, the, the population of people that, that they would call kind of underemployed, which is people who have, you know, really high competence, hard workers, really great, would make um, excellent employees in, in, in the workforce, but at the moment are in, in jobs or, or making less money than they could. And so a program like this would be a bridge and, and a pretty efficient and quick uh, way for somebody to, to kind of move across that chasm. They, they really feel that education is one of the most um, effective ways to do that, especially education like this, which is very, um, it, it's very targeted towards jobs and cutting edge jobs. 
And Nimit, New York has chosen a couple of boot camps in the past to partner with in this way. How did Full Stack Academy get chosen to partner with the Tech Talent Pipeline? Like, what was the process there? It was a interesting process. Um, so essentially, there is a a group called Tech Talent Pipeline. They had some funding created for a program like this, and uh, we they approached us to possibly uh, work together on it. And they actually released a RFP, which is a, a request for proposal. And so we uh, immediately loved the idea. We loved the program. We spent a ton of time building our kind of uh, our, our thoughts on how we think, you know, we could do it well. And we submitted our proposal um, after a bunch of conversations and them really looking closely at uh, how full stack does everything, everything from admissions to our academics to our placement, they uh, they decided to partner with us. And cool. that was the process. Yeah. How long did it take from like application to actually offering that first WDF? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it was definitely multiple months. Um, I think nice. that there were, the thought always was about how can we, you know, use the strengths of, um, a full stack and, and the strengths of the city to really, you know, put a great program together. And so it always takes longer than, than you plan. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it took a, it took a few months. Well, getting chosen, I mean, there are many boot camps in New York, so getting chosen is a pretty serious testament to the curriculum and kind of wherewithal of, of full stack. So congrats. Thank you. Okay, so we are going to dive into how to get into the Web Development Fellowship in a minute. But Erica, could you tell us what you were up to before Full Stack Academy and what kind of led you to apply to the Web Development Fellowship? Yeah, so I I had a career as a researcher and evaluator in the nonprofit sector for several years, about eight years I had been doing that. And I realized that Without a PhD, I really wasn't going to advance any further, Um, and I was very limited by the projects I could take on in that field without a formal education. So part of the projects I was working on was I was helping schools bolster their STEM, their um, science, technology, engineering, and math curricula, and I felt like I should just practice what I preach and get into that myself. Um, A few of my colleagues we, we consulted with a few developers and they just seemed to really be having a lot of fun with their work and were really well compensated compared to what I was doing. So eventually I, I burned out of that career and I had quit and I was looking for something that had more opportunity for advancement. And a colleague of mine in that STEM department recommended this fellowship from Full Stack to me. And since I was unemployed, a New York City resident, over 18, and I had no formal computer science education, I was eligible. So I applied. Amazing. Yeah, thanks for going through those requirements um, for us. So it's at least 18, current resident of New York. Um, You don't have a CS degree or a prior like career in professional web development. And then you also need to be unemployed or earn less than $50,000 a year and be authorized to work in the U.S. So <laughs> those eligibility requirements may kind of seem a, a little bit strict as I say them, but I bet there are actually quite a few folks in New York that do qualify for that. Nimit, do you all end up getting a ton of applications for this program? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's um, we get a, a crazy amount of applications actually, and our admissions team has to work, you know, double, triple hard during the periods when we're doing this. But but at the same time, this this program itself is, um, it's you know, I think it's it's making a real difference. It's an awesome program, and so they're also you know inspired to do it. But yeah, definitely get a lot of interest. Yeah. Erica, okay, so you had worked in uh, research before. You had worked kind of adjacent to STEM. What was your perception of tech, like specifically of the kind of demographics of the tech industry um, before you applied for full stack? Like, was it at all a concern for you to leave research and kind of get into this world of of, um, tech and web development? Well, before I had applied, I really didn't have many role models in the field or know many people in the field even. Um, I was working in the social sciences with a lot of educators. It was very female-dominated industry. But I had this perception that it was a very male-heavy field, uh, but that didn't really deter me. I felt confident that I can do anything that men were doing. And I also felt confident coming from a social justice background because I had the stereotype that tech was amoral and it consisted of a lot of men with the same ideas and education and interests. And I thought that my diverse perspective would really be a valuable contribution to the field and be desirable. Cool. Are there like specific challenges that your team expects um, during the fellowship yeah. or with fellowship students that you like don't expect from other cohorts or? Yeah. One thing I should, I should clarify is that this program comes with, it has no tuition cost, um, but it is definitely not free to students in the sense that, you know, they're taking on significant amount of opportunity cost in terms of not, you know, working at, at their other position. And they also have to fund their own uh, living costs and, and other, you know, sustenance costs. And so it, it is an investment on, on both sides. Um, which is actually good, right? Like we, we want to attract someone who does want to make an investment in bettering themselves. I think in because there is a specific maximum income limit to a program like this, we do aim to, you know, we aim to access pockets of the population that this kind of education would would truly be inaccessible for them. Um, and, and in that population, you know, oftentimes there are... Extra uh, challenges, like you said. So, you know, for example, some of the basic ones are, are transportation. And so uh, oftentimes people who, people who have a job and are making a steady income, they take for granted that they can buy a subway card and, you know, go wherever they want in the city. Um, but in this program, we provide a subway card uh, every month to all, all the participants because for at least uh, some of the participants, this would be a serious challenge to coming to class every day. The second thing which a lot of us take, you know, may take for granted is access to a working and modern laptop, which can do things like software development. At least, you know, some of the students didn't have access to a laptop like this. Either it was many, many years old um, and incapable of doing modern software development or just didn't have a laptop. And then the third thing is, and, you know, this one could be possibly the most important, which is that getting into a program like FullSec is not, it's not easy. It's, it's not like somebody can just, you know, wake up one day and say, okay, I want to be a software developer and then immediately enroll in FullSec. We require somebody to, to have done a lot of the groundwork 
to really feel comfortable with the very you know basic fundamentals of coding before they get in. And I can go into some of the reasons of that, but basically we provided uh, free bridge programs to the people applying for this program as well to allow people who are true beginners to, to have a pathway to even get in. Um, and I think this is also important. This is another place where a lot of people who are not in the higher income categories they, they kind of give up at that point where they, you know, they may not have the few hundred dollars required to, to take the basic intro classes that can even get them into the, the, the boot camp. Erica, did you do that free bridge program or how did you kind of prepare for the reality that, yes, it's tuition free, but there are still obviously costs associated with, with doing full stack, even at web development fellowship? Yeah, I I definitely took advantage of all of those resources that Nimit mentioned. The Metro card was invaluable. Like I needed it to get to school every day. And I also didn't have a MacBook or an expensive computer. Um, and all those resources were available. I did use the bridge program called Bootcamp Prep, which was very challenging, but gave me all the resources I needed to succeed in the full program. And I'm very grateful for that. I used all those resources, yes. It was, as Nimit mentioned, competitive to get into the program. And I was very used to, as a student in college, just in high school, and throughout all my school, just being kind of at the top of the class and not very challenged with the work. And when I came into full stack, I was in a group of people who had all been at the top of their class, maybe, or were at least all very motivated and smart. And so it was very, I felt like I wasn't at the same level as other people, but eventually we all excelled and struggled at different points. And it was very encouraging to be in the same boat as everybody. I eventually realized that. In addition to the bootcamp prep class, how did you prep for the admissions process? Like, did you just do bootcamp prep? Did you find that you needed to do more on top of that? Well, I originally applied and then it was recommended to participate in the bootcamp prep program. So some people tested out of that bootcamp prep in their admissions process. Not sure if it's the same still. But um, before taking that original uh, application, I did not have any experience uh, writing JavaScript. I had written some SPSS syntax and Excel formulas for my work, which is just some statistical programs. Um, And I didn't learn computer science in college or anything. So I used the resources on the full stack website. Um, I read a few chapters of the Eloquent JavaScript book that's available for free online. I watched some of the videos to prepare for the admissions process. I did some sample problems and solutions. And then I took the admissions test, which um, I definitely didn't ace it. (laughs) But I put in a lot of comments to explain my thought process and appeal to the... (laughs) people that were grading it, that I had an idea. I think I knew what I wanted to do here. Some questions I got right, others I struggled with. And I think that's why it was suggested that I do the bootcamp prep program. Wonderful. 
Um, okay, so speaking of boot camp prep and kind of the admissions process, um, Nimit, you mentioned that y'all get a ton of applications for this program um, in particular. Are the admissions requirements harder or easier for the Web Development Fellowship compared with Full Stack Academy's regular program? Is someone from the you know tech talent pipeline involved in deciding who gets in, or uh, how do y'all approach admissions? Those are both good questions. Um, yes, the um, the admissions requirements for the Web Development Fellowship and the normal full stack immersive are the same. You know, in terms of the academics uh, requirement, if, if somebody had gotten into one of the uh, other programs and then decided to switch in or something, you know, if they met all the requirements, we we didn't make them go through a, an additional interview process or anything. Um, so we we are not just taking a certain um, arbitrary percentage of people. Like we really want to see, is each student ready for our course? Are they really ready to succeed in this course? And so, you know, because of this, uh, we also don't have pre-decided class sizes, even in our normal curriculum. It's not like we'll just take like the best, I don't know, X number of people that we can find. Um, and so, so, so to answer that first question, um, the requirements for both of the programs are the same. Our goal was to increase access with this program, and we really wanted to be able to provide this program to communities and to people who would, you know, otherwise be excluded from from tech and, you know, really improve the diversity of the tech field. And so we did look at making a like a complete class and and kind of the makeup of the class. And so that was a additional level of process in, in, in the admissions process. Okay, Erica, so once you got in, what did your bootcamp cohort look like? Like if the goal of the Web Development Fellowship is to bring folks from untapped populations into tech in New York, did you find that it was kind of successful when you looked at your cohort? Were there women? Was it diverse? Uh, Yeah, so there were about 40 students that were accepted into the cohort. Um, It's about a quarter women. I'd say like um, half to two thirds of racial minorities and the educational and professional backgrounds were extremely diverse. There were chefs, musicians, actors, people in media, it was age diverse. Um, We had a veteran and it was a very cool group of people that brought very different things to the table um, from all across New York City. So it was a very diverse and cool group of people. Could you just clarify um, how you were learning? Were you in a separate cohort of like all fellowship students or were you learning um, alongside non-fellowship full stack students? Um, I was in the first iteration of the program. And at that point, the entire cohort was a fellowship. My entire class was the fellowship class. I think now it's um, more immersed into different classrooms. Nimit, you can correct me. but at the time, my entire class was fellowship recipients. Erica's right is that in our in, in our next WDF cohorts, um, we are just trying something with the city, which is uh, something called a web development fellowship track, which is having a certain number of spots in our normal cohorts for students who are part of the WDF program. Um, the goal here is to make this program available more frequently in a sense like so you know that's the experiment this is definitely not something that we've 
committed to doing for the long term. We really want to see what the outcomes are and how things work out. But yes, that, that is what we're doing for the next two cohorts. Cool. Erica, okay, you mentioned before that the program was challenging for everyone at different times. How difficult was the learning experience? And I know you already gave some advice earlier in terms of prepping um, for full stack, but what advice do you have for people who are going to go into such an intense program? Well, I do often say that it was the hardest thing I've done. But not to scare anybody off, it's also the most rewarding thing that I've done. Um, so I I did go to college and grad school, and I and I found that to be easier than this because I came in now older. I was over thirty. I hadn't been learning at that rate anymore, and the camaraderie of my fellow classmates all being in the same boat, like I'd mentioned earlier, was really what helped me overcome all of those challenges. Anybody who already knew how to be a web developer wasn't there. We were all learning together. And I just had to accept that I was building on things that I didn't necessarily completely grasp yet, but that's just part of the process to keep moving forward. I have a lifetime to delve deeper into everything that I don't fully understand, but I didn't have to master every step before I can implement it and move on. And accepting that really helped me get through the process. Great. That's great advice. So kind of like leaning on the community, on your cohort and uh, bringing each other all up as you go. Yeah, we had um, a lot of resources available, like Nimit mentioned earlier, the MetroCard and laptop and stuff like that. But there was also fellows and counselors office hours and social events and all of those things really helped build a community where we were all working together and just made the process easier. And then once you graduated from full stack, congrats. When did you graduate, by the way? Um, I think a year ago in December. Amazing. Well, happy one year anniversary of being in in the world. Um, How did you choose Uh, the company that you work for now? And like, how did you know that it would actually be a good fit for you as you accepted your offer? Yes. So I am a React Redux front-end engineer at Tidal Labs, a startup in Soho for social media influencers, a platform to manage them. So it's been really great working there. And After years in government, I really wanted to try working for a startup. I liked the idea of having a better work-life balance of working from home, flexible hours, and a larger impact of my work where I could see the changes in the product because there's so few people. And I also wanted to work for a startup because I felt after this immersive boot camp experience I could handle an immersive small startup experience where I would be tasked with things like everything, touching every part of the app. And I thought that these experiences would help me later on transition into a role at a maybe bigger company after I've had all these experiences touching every part. Very cool. Did you learn React and Redux at Fullstack? I did. That was the focus of the front end work. So it was a very popular framework and I think helped me get a lot of responses from employers. 
Very cool. Okay, could you debunk a myth for us? You've been in the industry for a year now. Um, do you, you learned React and Redux at full stack, and that is amazing to then be in a, uh, in a job where you're actually using those two technologies. But did you learn everything that you needed to know for your job in tech um, at full stack? Or like, what has this first year kind of been like for you? Um. I think it's impossible to learn everything that you would need to know, (laughs) but I definitely learned all of the skills I needed to find out things that I would need to know. Um, I, I overcame my fear of the unknown and I just now know how to figure things out by looking at documentation, reading code, Um, investigating a code base and things that I would have been completely overwhelmed by before full stack. So I'm still learning on a regular basis. Every day I'm learning. So I, I think it's impossible to expect to know everything before you start your first job. Very cool. So Nimit, okay, so for Erica, she knew that she wanted to work at a startup. Um, Are there examples of companies that you have come across that you think work with the fellowship students really well? Are there like tells or red or green flags that that you know, um, as you've as you've worked with, like a pretty good handful of companies now um, in hiring these fellowship students? I mean, I, I think um, we can definitely sense companies who work well with full stack graduates in general. And, and I think more and more larger companies are starting to actually, you know, get better at this. I don't, I mean, I can't think of anything very specific about, uh, you know, fellowship students. You know, re- really my message is like, I don't want you to think, and I'm sure Erica would agree that it's not like the fellowship students are coming out as some like really weird group of people and like, they're really all that different. Like, I think they are all, you know, very smart, ambitious. And I think that's the whole point is that, you know, I think that there are a lot of people like that who would make really great employees who are really great engineers who just would not, are just not able to access this stuff. I mean, this education. And so, so yeah, like, I don't think that there's anything specific. Like, I think it's a company that, that really takes the concept of mentorship uh, seriously, right? And I think that that's that's the that's one of the top things that I ask students to look for when they're choosing uh, the company to work for, because you know, because you come out of full stack and you're very good at JavaScript, but of course, you know, you're not like the the senior engineer master that that you will be in a few years once you really practice this professionally. You know, you you can't have a company that um, is like the Marines that kind of like expects you to come in as you know some some big shot crazy developer like you, you know you want a company that that has a program and a mentorship system in place to to really help you bridge that gap again from you know this like early entry level professional developer to to a senior developer and i think that that's also what companies have to do if they really care about diversity if they really care about you know bringing in populations of people that are not already, you know, in this space. And so those are the things that we really look for. You know, those are the things that we tell our hiring partners when they ask us, you know, how can we bring the best out of your students that we're hiring, right? Yeah. When it comes to measuring outcomes and full stack is um, a part of SEER and is, I know, very serious about this. Do you see a difference between 
fellowship versus non-fellowship cohorts, the types of jobs that people are getting um, and how quickly and at what salary? On you know, I would say like on a on a headline number higher level, like the outcomes are very similar, and I think that's something that we are happy about. I think that when you zoom in a little bit, um, we have learned about specific things that we can do to help WDF graduates uh, succeed more. Like you know, for example, we we spoke about the subway cards, right? So you know, the same person that needed the subway cards to come to class will possibly also need that to go to networking events, to go to job interviews, to go to, you know, all of those things that uh, are important during your job search. And so that's something that we're learning. And it's like we're, you know, as we do more, um, you know, as we extend this program, we are um, we are incorporating those learnings into our future offerings to, to be able to offer those kinds of bridge services to WDF students even after they graduate. And I think that that's, that's really where we see um, a difference is that, that the job search itself is also, it's, it's hard, right? Like anybody who's looked for a job today knows that it takes a lot of time and you need, you need support there as well. Amazing. Well, it sounds like y'all are definitely learning and growing and iterating as you go. And that is always a good sign. Erica, looking back, is there something that a boot camp can do, you think, that will prepare students for the kind of real world as a, a developer breaking into tech? I, I think that uh, Full Sec did a great job at preparing me emotionally for the challenges of developing and just being more confident in tackling things that I don't know all about before I start. It was a school environment though. So when you get out into the real world, once you uh, like everybody's practicing, you know, the, by the book, how, how they should be coding and how they should be treating each other and everything's very great at full stack. And then you get into the real world and maybe they're using the technologies you learned in an improper way, or maybe people aren't as respectful as they were at school. So those are things that I don't think anybody can really prepare you for, because that's just the real world. But I, I came in with the skills that I, I needed. Also, to, to add on to that, we did a lot of group projects while we were at Full Stack. So I was used to working with difficult personalities on very complicated things. And I, I did use those um, lessons I learned from those projects at work as well. Fantastic. So Nimit, does, um, does NYC Tech Talent Pipeline have anything to do with, um, we've been reading about this new full stack cybersecurity program, which I think is also a, ends up being a free program for some students? Um, so the the tech talent pipeline directly is not involved in the cybersecurity program, um, and so so you know it, I think you know largely it is part of the same group of people. But I, I really want to give a shout out to to the people who work in in this department. Like I think the government often gets a lot of um, you know it takes a lot of crap, right? Like everyone blames the government for all kinds of things. I think that this department is really like a gem in in the rough or whatever you want to call it. Like they are incredible. Even the like they are very innovative about how they think about 
you know, ROI of the government dollar. Like we should be feeling very good that our taxes go to programs like this and people there, they work super, super hard. They're working really hard to also kind of ease all the red tape that could be involved in working with the government and to really be able to push out innovation faster. Um, and so you mentioned the cybersecurity program. Um, it's a, you know, th that's an example of that. I know this podcast is not uh, focused on that, so I won't go into it too much, but it's a partnership with the city to try to build a significant amount of uh, talent and significant amount of innovation around cybersecurity in New York City. A lot of New York City organizations and also as the largest city in the country um, and as the largest kind of public services uh, in the country, um, you know, cybersecurity is actually very important to the safety of the people who live here as well. It's a large partnership that the city has put together. Um, we are very proud and excited to be the the kind of the the bootcamp partner um, in that program. Um, there is a there is a portion of that program where we are you know similar to what we're doing with Web Development Fellowship is that we want to give opportunity to to parts of the population who would not have access to this kind of education. And so um, you can definitely read more about that on our website. But yeah, I, I don't think uh, Technon Pipeline doesn't have anything uh, directly to do, but they are definitely part of the same group of amazing people that are uh, making it happen. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. I think from my perspective, working with boot camps that are like innovating and collaborating alongside their local governments has been very reassuring because there is some like incredible work being done at a local level. And when is the next application deadline for New York? Um, so the next application deadline is on February 24th. It is for the cohort that uh, begins in kind of mid-March uh, going through to July. And so, yeah, f you know, February 24th, you have about a month. Okay, so the next cohort of Web Development Fellowship will start in March. And then I think applications are also open for the June cohort. So um, folks have a couple of options this year. And Erica, my last question for you is very simple. It's a question we get all the time. Um, was Full Stack Academy worth it for you? I highly recommend that people apply to this program. It was the best decision that I've made. And it was a game changer, a life changer. And I'm just so happy and proud of myself and just love my new career. <laughs> I ended up increasing my salary $27,000. Amazing. I know. For a free program, that's pretty good ROI. Even if you're making, <laughs> even if you pay yeah, for it, it's I pretty did. good ROI. I know. I knew, I took it as an investment. And like N Nimit said, you know, you have to not work for a certain amount of time. And it was tough for those few months. But I just this month paid off everything from the time that I was took took off to do this program. So it's already come back and I have such better prospects now. It was very much worth it. Amazing. Um, well, congratulations. What a great thing to do, like right at your one year mark. Yes. Fantastic. 
Well, okay, so thank you so much to Erica and Nimit for joining us and talking about Tech Talent Pipeline. Erica, thanks for really helping us understand what to expect at the Web Development Fellowship and taking us through all of your tips to get in and succeed afterwards. And Nimit for giving us all of the details on um, on the admissions process and uh, what to look for in that first job after you graduate. We really appreciate you being here. And to everyone who is listening, we of course love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com and let us know who you'd like to hear from on the next Course Report podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, y'all.